Julie Swenson, Managing Director of Forward Theatre Company in Madison, Wisconsin. And I'm Mike Fisher, Milwaukee-based theater writer and dramaturg. I'm Jen Opoff gray Founder and Artistic Director of Forward Theatre Company. And this is Theatre Forward, a twice-monthly conversation about theatre from a local, regional, and national perspective. From Madison to Manhattan, we're excited to share insight into our own company while exploring issues surrounding theatre in the Midwest and around the country. Welcome to episode 26 of Theatre Forward. Yay, us! <laughs> this week's conversation is about collaborations. What are some models that we've seen in our industry? What are some of the upsides and downsides that we have encountered when it comes to collaborations. And Mike, I know you have some big picture thoughts about this. Well, and I will play my usual Bambi role on this on this podcast <laughs> and say, let's just have more of it. Um, I think the real question, given how all the, to me, pluses for collaboration is why doesn't it happen more often? I mean, the pluses include, in an era of shrinking dollars, uh, the potential uh, of economy of scale, uh, the fact that collaboration potentially allows more touring to different places. This is a model the National Theater is using very effectively in Britain. Um, that it could actually mean more work for actors because it could allow us to stage bigger plays um, that we might not otherwise be able to stage and that aren't getting staged. Access to other cultures by bringing you know smaller companies in that maybe have a dedicated footprint uh, involving, for example, the African-American experience or the LGBTQIA experience. I mean, these are all things that make it seem like a great idea, but we don't see that much of it. And I guess the real question for me is, is why not? I love the idea of it. And I, and I think that there are some really successful models. I would say the Milwaukee rep and they're, they go to Arizona often. I mean, they've got a whole bunch of spots that they had. I love that. I think for me, and on a production end, the most difficult part of this is um, the artistic decision making. And who, um, the, I mean, the pros are you share rehearsal costs, you share production costs, you know, to your to your point, Mike, um, there's some budget considerations that are really positive. But to actually make, I think, a successful collaboration, the amount of trust between the two companies, who gets to direct this piece, who who gets to make those artistic decisions, can it really be absolutely even? I think that's a hard one. And I think um, and it's been my experience, actually, that that's where it's fallen apart. Um, that both companies want to do this wonderful play. It makes sense that it's in two different places, but the person who gets to direct the idea of it, the person who gets to direct is the company that's in charge. And you, I, I, I think that we can get over that, but in my experience, that's, that's what's prevented yeah. it from happening. It's a, it's an interesting point because, um, you know, Forward has engaged in a lot of different kinds of partnerships and and, and collaborations um, over our, our first 11 seasons. Uh, there was only one um, sort of co-production uh, effort that we made uh, so far. And, and the way in which we did it was really trying to get at exactly that concern. This was way back in our, you know, third and fourth seasons. Mm -hmm. We partnered with Milwaukee Chamber Theater 
And Mike, to your point, it was for a lot of those same reasons, not only were there economies of scale and being able to share, as you said, Julie, rehearsal costs and, and designer fees and all of that, but it was also an opportunity for all of the actors involved to have you know, many more weeks of employment and for these productions to not have such a short life out in the public. And all of that was great. Um, the way in which we tried to kind of get around that obstacle that you raised, Julie, was um, by committing to a two-year partnership. And we basically said, okay, in one year, it's going to basically be the forward theater production that will also be part of Chambers season. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we did a sort of two-thirds, one-third split on the cost sharing rather than 50-50. And of course, both artistic directors were involved in discussions of who would direct and who would design and who would be in them. It, you know, neither company could make those decisions on their own, but really allowed in the first year, one company owned it. It was, it was really their production with a commitment to flip it the following year. And that, I think, really did address those concerns quite effectively. We didn't really have any problems. Uh, the, the wonderful Michael Wright, um, who's now the outgoing uh, artistic director there, he and I directed the two productions as the two artistic directors. That worked really well. We worked together on this, using the same pool of artists and designers that we both work with. And it, mm -hmm. it was really fantastic from that perspective. But even that still had... Um, some hurdles, uh, not insurmountable ones, but it's it's kind of notable that we haven't found a way to do it again since 2013. Right. Um, you know, and some of those were to do with the fact that our spaces are just slightly different um, that in terms of what designs could fit in them and how the play is played. It was really, it was a challenge for the designers to mm -hmm. create a show that would work in both spaces. And um despite the fact that artistically we were programming some very overlapping uh, types of plays, the audience makeup um, is just very different between our two cities, between our two companies. And so finding a way to do it again, has it has felt challenging. Is your best option to find sort of the sister theater in another state? Do you know what I mean? That yeah. really does. So you would have to have... Um, of an economy of scale in terms of budget of companies, yeah. I think. I think that's the best way to go. Um, and then this idea of, yeah, throwing um, something that is designed from for a thrust stage into a 99-seat black box, that's, that's an issue. Or the Cabot Theater. I mean, you know, it has to be... Yeah. Um, that is a huge consideration as well. Well, I think that's maybe one of the reasons why this partnership between Milwaukee Rep and Arizona Theater Company, among others, they've worked with some others, but yes. I know that's been going on for, for quite a while. And that may be where they've really identified that that good partner that has mm -hmm. similar needs and, and you know physical considerations and all of that. Yeah, but let me flip that on its head, because another possible way of going at this is what we should be shooting for as theater companies is to embrace the idea of working with companies that are actually very different mm -hmm. from us. And I'll give you an example. Uh, in San Diego, the La Jolla Playhouse has brought in as a resident company, Moxie Theater, which is focused on women's, uh, you know, women uh, oriented plays, which then partnered with the Latinx focused Tuyo Theater to produce a bilingual play. Now there, what you get is the imprimatur and the space and the resources of a very large house. Um, and you get two other uh, companies with similar in a Venn diagram way, but definitely distinct audiences. And potentially three different audiences are all being challenged 
to expand the way in which they think about what theater can be. And, you know, we're having this conversation on so many levels about how we need to be allies. We need to work more with uh, with people and artists that are different from ourselves. Isn't this a concrete way to do it? And one that doesn't require you traveling to another city and dealing with the logistics that go with that. Oh, absolutely. And that's, you know, that's yet another model of collaboration that I think is absolutely critical. Um, we've been having conversations here just even in the last few weeks, we've been talking about um, our, our efforts to bring more diverse voices to the stage here in Madison, here in Wisconsin, really across the country. And um, how can we foster uh, theater artists and theater companies that are serving all of these different communities? And um, how can we lend our resources to help strengthen their work? And it also, it, it is a, a mutually beneficial situation because it helps us get to know other communities better. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. That is a fantastic model. I know that, um, again, going back to Milwaukee Rep, they've done um, some, made some efforts in this area with some smaller companies in, in Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I, I, think, I think we will see more and more of that. I hope we'll see more and more of that. Mm -hmm. And it's certainly something we're interested in here. Yeah, you know, and it's um, and it's also similar but slightly different. You know, working with companies like that offers an opportunity for true um, artistic artistic innovation is not the, the the term I want. An opportunity to push the boundaries in terms of the kind of art that gets done. And again, to revert to Milwaukee because that's I mean, that's the market I know best. I'm really excited by the work um, that Jelana Ponisic and Milwaukee Opera Theater in general are doing, collaborating with a bunch of different organizations in Milwaukee. Um, you know, the, the, with Quasimondo Physical Theater last year, they put out an outstanding A Magic Flute. There, I think the artistic director uh, or the, the production director, Julie, to your point, was shared between the two artistic directors. Mm -hmm. um, they just did a Milwaukee Opera Theater, an outstanding Gilbert and Sullivan Redegor uh, at Skylight with Skylight Music Theater that was just so much fun and took this thing that is going to die if it doesn't get innovated and redone and taken it in a new direction. And then now they're going to be cooperating a third collaboration with a third company, all in productions uh, on the Dave Malloy, uh, you know, uh, 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 musical that I've talked about before, Preludes, um, you know, with with uh, going inside Rachmaninoff's brain. So that's three completely different companies, three completely different models. And what Joanna and her company can bring to the mix is some very talented singers, one thing, and a very pronounced aesthetic. And again, those yeah. kinds of things, that's one example, but I'm surprised given the success, uh, the first two of those productions have already happened. They got rave reviews. They did really, really well at the box office. Why aren't we, going back to my initial question, seeing more of those kinds of collaborations when the when when what you see on the on the stage and in terms of the the uh the ticket window is so successful all right ticket window i dated myself <laughs> <laughs> but here's here's what Jillana and milwaukee opera theater has that that allows them to be more flexible they don't have a space right and so they are always looking for four spaces. And certainly she has done the Masonic temple. She's gone all over the place. Um, but that then is a, is a little bit easier collaboration to have because it's not who's, whose theater are we going to have now? Or it will, you know, design for this theater it's in one space, but that can be malleable. And so she can go any place she wants in the city, in the country, in the state, wherever. Um, and, uh, without, 
being concerned about the subscribers who have their aisle seats and <laughs> need to have that. So there, there's some limitations on on growth, which I I think is ironic in this. But on her end, but on the other end, Skylight is an established, one of the most established companies in Milwaukee, and uh-huh. they are the ones partnering with her. Yep. Why aren't more established companies like that doing things like that? I don't see any of that in terms of main stage productions. I can't right. think of one of any theater company in Milwaukee or Madison that is doing a, a, where a main stage company is using its space and collaborating with a smaller company in that way. Well, mm-hmm. there's been a couple. I mean, I'm thinking <clears throat> back. Um, I know that CTM uh, did a collaboration with Four Seasons Theater. That's uh, Children's Theater of Madison and Four Seasons Theater here in Madison. Um, I know that Theater Leela also um, worked with Four Seasons. There, there are some of those. You know, to your question, Mike, because I, I agree with you about. Um, all the reasons why this feels like a no-brainer and that, that we should be seeing so much more of it. But I can also tell you, because we've discussed with a lot of other companies in our region possible collaborations during our existence here at Forward, and one thing that we've run into time and again, and I think it's legitimate, even if I think it's um, surmountable, is that it's really hard running a theater company. It's a ton of work. Everybody's understaffed. Everything requires sort of constant motion to get these shows up and produced. And collaborations are great for all the reasons we've just talked about. And they're also more work. They're just more work. They're more mental work. They're more logistical work. Mm -hmm. There's more time spent on communication. There's more time spent on meetings. Um, Again, I personally think it's still worth it, but it's hard. And if you're a company and you feel like you're, you have the resources to basically just get your work up there. Taking something else on often just feels daunting. And if you don't feel like there's a direct, obvious um, tie to your mission or absolutely necessary financial reason why you need to do it, it is so much easier to not complicate things. Again, I'm not saying we shouldn't complicate things. I think we should, but I, but I understand why it doesn't happen more because it's hard. Yeah, you mentioned the name, uh, you know, Michael Wright's uh, August name has come up in this podcast. I am, um, he's done so much in so many ways for Milwaukee theater and is really going to be missed. And one of them was with these series of university collaborations he Mm -hmm. did, um, you know, Picnic with UWM, uh, Bus Stop with Parkside, and then A Lion in Winter with Marquette, all of which introduced a bevy of actors who are now making a living as actors because they got their start on a professional stage through what Michael did. And Michael's done that for lots of people. But when you ask him about <laughs> those collaborations, he'll, he'll tell you, I'm glad I did it, but I was tired yeah. um, at the end of each of them. Well, and it's an incredibly valuable yeah. model. I mean, I, I went to college, uh, I, I was at Harvard and the American Repertory Theater was right there. And there were all kinds of opportunities for the undergraduates to get experience as interns, as, you know, spear carriers to, you know, simplify, um, lots of opportunities there. And so when I came back to Madison, one of my big questions is why 
isn't the MFA program at UW-Madison doing more with what was then the Madison rep? And they, they did eventually do a couple of things. Uh, very early on in Forward's history, I think in our third season, we did a production of the Farnsworth Invention by Aaron Sorkin that I absolutely loved. We would never have been able to take that on just on our own. The cast was huge, but we involved the entire third year MFA acting class in that production and several of their student designers. It was a fantastic process. Again, a lot of work, but totally worth it because we got to do a great play that we couldn't otherwise have done. Um, and I think that that is a model we would have happily continued. The only problem is that the MFA program went away. Mm -hmm. um, and so that disappeared. Um, but I agree with you. You know, If we were Milwaukee, we would absolutely be following on Michael's coattails and trying to do those same kinds of partnerships. Because I do think that not only does it allow the professional company the advantage of doing maybe a larger show you wouldn't otherwise do, but this is how we sustain a creative field of people we can employ is by investing in young people who want to go into the into this field. And, and then so, might stay. And might stay. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, again, another brilliant model that sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. You know, one one model that has been getting a lot of traction around the country the last couple of years that really excites me um, is the idea of the Rolling World premiere, yeah. which um, has existed in a sort of informal ways uh, around the country, but has really become a much more precise, replicable format under the auspices of the National New Play Network. And what a rolling premiere, rolling world premiere does is you get three companies from around the country that all make a commitment to do a full production of a brand new play within a 12 month period, all with completely different artistic teams. So different directors, different designers, different actors. Um, what that allows for is that playwright has three productions with which to really hone her or his or their work. Um, Lauren Gunderson has done this quite successfully a number of times. Um, many other playwrights are taking advantage of it. I think that's an incredibly exciting model for the development of new work. It certainly works to the advantage of the playwrights who don't just, here's your one production and now the play is done. And either people are interested in it or they aren't. But now you get a chance to learn from each new production over the course of that year. And hopefully you wind up with a much stronger play at the end of it. I think that's going to be that's taking away all of my concerns, the whole artistic decision and who gets who's really in charge and that kind of thing that I think we're going to see much more of the Rolling World premieres because it's it's an if it's a great play or people are interested in it. It's an easy it's easy to say yes to that. Yeah. Yes, we will be a part of you two other companies and we'll include you in our in our press materials. But that's that's the obligation for the producing company. Right. Really. Well, and that's yeah. great for the for the playwrights and the development of new work. It mm -hmm. doesn't so much address uh, some of the collaborative benefits of, of more work mm -hmm. for the artists who get a longer run of saving costs, you know, for right. the participating companies. But in terms of developing new work and supporting playwrights, it's it's a really exciting model. Um, I want to put in a plug for something which is like this. It's a it's a, it's not a national new play uh, network uh, play, but it is a joint world premiere that I got to see it both its original um production in Louisville, Humana last year. And then this is the plug part. 
run, do not walk to Victory Gardens to get your ticket to the second iteration of How to Defend Yourself by Liliana Padilla, uh, which just opened, same director, the brilliant Marty Lyons, some of the same designers, some of the same actors, mm -hmm. but also some changes. It is outstanding, and you can really see, I loved it last year, but Jen, to your point, the gelling time that it had from that production to this second one has taken one of these plays which may have never had a second production and then died and put it in a position where I really do feel it's gonna be a play that in a couple of years is on that American theater list of most produced plays in the United States. Hmm. I think that for me, so when I put my artistic director hat on and I think about all of the reasons why these collaborations benefit our industry, benefit the individual companies, but also looking at they're also hard and they are a headache and they're logistically challenging. It seems to me that the way we get more commitment to this sort of collaboration is by identifying the projects we can't, that we want to do and can't do on our own. Exactly. And so whether it's um, collaborations where we're engaging with smaller companies that maybe are deeply plugged into um, communities that are not part of the sort of more mainstream arts world. That's one reason, whether it's, I need a great big cast with a lot of young people. This is a great reason to take on the work of partnering with an educational program. Um, you know, we spent, I think we spent the first half of Forward's existence desperately trying to find a company that would partner with us to do both parts of Angels in America. Because <laughs> it's, it's, never, it's never been done professionally in Madison. And that is a, tragedy in That's my mind. Right and, um, but you know, for a company like ours with four slots at the time, we were only had three slots in a season that wasn't responsible programming for me as an artistic director to take up two of those slots with both parts of angels in America. That just, it doesn't make logistical sense. It really doesn't. But boy, if we'd been able to find the right partner where we could do one part and they do the other, and we encourage our audiences to then go to the other company and we come up with all kinds of great I I would have loved to have made that happen. And that was, it. to me, that's my sort of white whale example of something that I really wanted to do that we only could do if we had the right partner. Mm -hmm. Well, now, Jen, that raises a related issue. Why do you think we don't see more examples? Because this would take out some of the logistical things Julie's concerned about, where you had two companies, I'm thinking Angels in America, the Rep and Milwaukee Chamber a yeah. billion years yeah. ago did right. two complete, they did the two parts, but they were separate productions, yep. separate artistic staff, separate actors. They just happened to be for the city. It was a treat for an audience member to be able to see both. So why would Angels here or other plays, you know, Horton Foote was we're crying to see more of yes. his nine play cycle. Why don't we see more of that where companies, and it doesn't even have to be that on a sort of aesthetic level. Or in terms of the way the production is done, they're all in the same place. You could just have different companies that are working together and sell, you know, cross promoting. Am I being Bambi here? I'm no, getting a smile. No, from, from I, no, I, I mean, don't it just think. Feels like a, and, in, and especially with like Angels in America, both parts are fantastic. So it wouldn't matter, you know. Right. Um, the Orphan Cycle, I think there are some better than others. So, um, but. Why? I don't know. Maybe this is the commitment that we need to well, make. I would love is, to see more of that. I think I think the answer to your question is you have to find enough companies in a good geographic region with each other that are interested in doing that same kind of work. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you have to identify a number of companies in the same geographic area so that the audience 
is motivated to, you know, check out more than one company that are all interested in doing heart and foot, that that fits with mm-hmm. their aesthetic of what they do. Mm-hmm. Couple companies and you need companies that are, they don't have to be the same kind of aesthetic approach, but comparable aesthetic level, I guess, maybe is what I'm looking for. Um, so that's, that's tricky. I mean, wouldn't it be great if, if you lived in a region with, you know, five classical theater companies and they all decided we're going to do all of the history plays this year. I know you're oh, I'm I'm just, just I'm like salivating. <laughs> I can see it. As it came out of my mouth, I realized I was going to like create a new fantasy for Mike Fisher. But um, so, you know, right. this conversation flew by. I think we're already at the time to wrap up. But um, yes, we all like collaborations yeah, and they're uh, hard. So let's figure it out. Let's figure it out. We're the creatives are people. turning now. Yeah, we are creative people. I think I think we should all, including all of you, our listeners, we should figure this out. Or if they have ideas, yeah. they should let us know. Exactly. Uh, but for now, we'll say that's all for this episode of Theater Forward, a conversation about theater in Wisconsin, the Midwest, and America. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Jen Uphoff Gray. I'm Julie Swenson. And I'm Mike Fisher. Our podcast is produced by Scott Hayden, who collaborates so beautifully with us <laughs> on every one of these. And you can follow us, uh, uh, as always, on Facebook, Twitter, or uh, at Theater Forward. As always, theater with an E-R. <laughs> and if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you might tune in. And be sure to leave a stellar review. We are so grateful to have you listening. And we will be back soon for another Theater Forward conversation.